Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Everybody doing well today? Man, I've got, I've got a word that God put on my heart, and I'm so excited um, to be able to share, but it might need just a little bit of participation as we get things going. Now, I don't, I don't want to know uh, if any of you have ever played or regularly play the lottery. I don't want to know. But how many of you, just show of hands, would say, I know someone who does? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Now, listen, if you regularly play the lottery, please understand this. The Bible has a lot to say about the power of money, coveting money, wealth gained hastily. It says a lot about greed. But it also says a lot about tithing, too, so we'll just leave that right there where, where it is. Seriously, though, this week I was thinking about all the amazing things that God is doing in our midst. I, it's, I'm telling you, if I get another text message or another phone call that you won't believe this, you won't believe what God has done. There's such an abundance of growth that's happening in our church. And not by, I'm not talking about bodies in the pews. I'm talking about lives that God is doing. I'm watching growth happen. It's like waiting for a flower to bloom. And then the day you show up and it opens. Thank you for sharing those stories with me. And it's because many of you are taking next steps and really allowing us to help you identify where you are and what steps to take next. I'll just tell you how proud I am of you. You may not know this, but discipleship is a journey. It's a spiritual journey that consists of relationships and next steps. And it should come as no surprise to anyone that as you engage relationally and as you take next steps spiritually, you're going to watch your spiritual life grow. And if you have any inkling of what's going on around here, I'm telling you, it's a result of people growing. I was reminded this week of the reality of both the physical world we live in and the spiritual world that we belong to. The physical world we live in and the spiritual world we belong, in, and belong to. And I was reminded how completely opposite sometimes those two realities can be. I mean, you know, it can be easy to confuse the two of them. It, it really can. I would say it this way. You and I are eternally spiritual beings having a temporary physical existence here on earth. You may not realize that. This is probably one of the clearest ways I can tell you. We are eternally spiritual beings having a temporary physical existence here on earth. And it's important to understand the spiritual aspects of your life will last forever. It's the physical aspects of your life that are only temporary. One day they will come to an end. I'll give you some examples, right? The fact that you have a job, and I'm grateful that you have a job, that is physical, it is temporary, one day that will end. But the relationship you build with your coworkers and the example that you set for them and the way that you encourage them in your walk with the Lord and their walk with the Lord, that's spiritual, that's eternal, that's going to last forever. You follow me so far? Okay. The boyfriend and girlfriend that you have that you're enamored with, that's physical, that's temporary. The purity that you walk in in your relationship. Now, that's spiritual. That's going to have an eternal impact that are on you. Don't confuse the two. 
If you confuse the two, you'll think that just because I have a boyfriend or a girlfriend that I don't need to be concerned about my sexual purity. You see how those get confused in the middle. One more. I love that you go and spend hours in the gym every single week. One of these days, you'll look like me. I'll I'll buff. I love that you're spending the time doing that. But can I tell you, your body, it's physical. One day it will come to an end. One day, all the things you're trying to get lifted up will be sagging down a little bit on their own, right? But if you spent that much or more time in prayer during the week, now that's spiritual, that's eternal, that's going to last forever. If you get those confused, you'll spend an hour in the gym and 10 minutes in prayer and wonder why you look better in a mirror than you do before our Heavenly Father. And I need you to understand, don't get those confused in the middle. It's important to understand that. Scripture tells us that while we don't know how long each of us have to live on this earth, in these bodies, it guarantees that our spirits will live on forever, either in heaven with God or in hell, the only place where God is not. Say this with me. Physical things are temporary. Spiritual things are eternal. Physical things are temporary. Spiritual things are eternal. And I would guess that nobody would know the temporary nature of physical things more than a lottery winner who is now broke. You know anybody? Y'all heard heard about this? Didn't think that was possible. It is. It's actually a legitimate thing. How many of you say, Pastor John, no, no, no. I, I have it all planned out. If I ever, I mean, if my friend ever won the lottery... I know exactly what they need to do in, in, in this thing. Listen, in 1998, get this, you, you probably won't believe this, Gerald Muswagen won the 10 million Super 7 jackpot in Canada. 10 million. But he couldn't handle the instant fame that came with winning the grand prize. He bought several new vehicles for himself and his friends, purchased a house that turned into a nightly party pad, often celebrated his new lifestyle with copious amounts of drugs and alcohol. In a single day, it's rumored that he bought eight big screen TVs for all of his friends. How many of you want his phone number? But he was eventually forced to take a job on a friend's farm just to make ends meet. Ten million. I know what you're thinking, Canadians, right? I mean, who would... Who would who would have thought? No. Michael Carroll was just 19 when he won Britain's $15 million lottery. But according to media reports from the time, an alleged fondness of drugs, parties, prostitutes, and cars put him back at square one in just five years. $15 million, five years, zero. How many of you just, I'll take $3 million a year just to go and blow. I'll, I'll do that for, for five years. Listen, it's not just the Canadians. It's not just the British. In 2002, West Virginia building contractor Andrew Jackson Whitaker Jr. walked away. I can't even fathom this number. 114 million after taxes. $315 million multi-state Powerball. It just, thieves ran off with $545,000 that he was keeping in his car. And he lost another $200,000 the same way a year later in the middle of this. And by the time it was all said and done, he was sued by Caesars Atlantic City, which said Whitaker had bounced over $1.5 million in checks within four 
years, this fortune was gone. And there are dozens, I know you're saying, like, what? There are dozens of these stories that are out there. Individuals who won the lottery, they were given so much, yet squandered it so quickly. Given so much, but squandered it so quickly. One day it was all there, and the next day it's gone. Well, well, they should have saved it, Pastor Don. I mean, come on, that's the way money works, right? If, if you spend it, you can keep it, right? If you spend it, you can't keep it. If you save it and you invest it, you can get more. How many of you would give them some of that, some of that advice? You need to save the money. Those people squandered all their physical wealth because they used it all. Follow my train of thought here. That may work for physical things like money, but it doesn't work that way for spiritual things. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth work completely different. I'll explain. The physical truth, follow this. Physical truth, if you save it, you can keep it. If you save it, you can keep it. But the spiritual truth is, if you don't use it, you will lose it. Look to your neighbor and tell them the title of our message today. Use it or lose it. And I need you to understand something, big caveat here. This isn't a message about losing your salvation. If you are a born-again child of God, your salvation is secure in his hands. This message today is about sharing what God is doing. It's about that excitement and that appreciation for the promises and other things that we've been given. Look at this way. It starts like this. An appreciation leads to excitement. Excitement leads to sharing. Appreciation leads to excitement. Excitement leads to sharing. But if you lose the appreciation, you'll lose the excitement. If you lose the excitement, we'll stop sharing with others what God has done. You follow me? Use it or lose it. Use it or lose it. Jesus tells us a story in Matthew chapter 25. It illustrates the way things work in the spiritual world. You may know it as the parable of the talents. We're going to turn there and spend a little bit of time in this passage. Matthew chapter 25 verse 14 says this, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. And to one he gave five talents. Now those talents, that's a measure of money. To another he gave two to another, he gave one, and to each according to his ability. Notice that he didn't give all of them the same amount. You say, well, life's not fair. Life's not fair to everyone, and that's what makes it fair. But he gave different amounts to different people, and he gave according to their ability. Look at this. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. He used them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. Both of them used what they'd been given. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Did he use it? Let's see what happens. Verse 19. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. CJ referenced that earlier today. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had two talents, came forward saying, master, you delivered to me two talents here. I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. 
Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 24. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you had to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. Some translations say wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I had not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Well, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming should have received what was my own with interest. Look at this, verse 28. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents. So those of you that graduated math in high school, that guy now has 11 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Verse 30, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I made sure to include verse 30 for you. Just so you know, he's not just talking about money per se. It was talking about eternities. There's two people ended up in heaven in this story and one ended up in hell. But this verse here, verse 29, really illustrates the point I want to make today. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Let me bring it into context for us today. The one who has been appreciative will have more reasons to be appreciative. The one who has been excited will have more reason for excitement to be given. And the one who has been sharing with others, more others will be given to you to share with. Here's our spiritual truth. If I want to multiply what I have, I need to use it. If I want to multiply what I have, I need to use it to sit on the side, to hide, save only for myself what God has given to me is wicked and lazy, and it will result in me Losing it. Well, Pastor Don, are you, you still talking about money? Is this, is this a giving message? Sure, it applies, but so much more. Let me ask it to you this way. What have you been given? What have you been given? Do you really comprehend how much that you've been given? If you are in Christ, you won the lottery. You won the, I, just one chapter, Romans chapter five. Look at this. Well, before, before I get that, think about all the things you've given. I woke up this morning with breath in my lungs, yes? So I need to use it for his glory. Anybody else in here wake up with strength and health in your body? Use it for his kingdom. How many of you say, I've been given a new start in my marriage? You need to use it to help other people. I've been given a new job to provide for my family. Then use it to show your coworkers an example of what a Christ follower looks like. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. This is just one chapter. I'm going to show it to you in a little different way. Look at all the things. You might want to get your phones out. This is going to be fast. All the things that we've been given from Romans chapter 5. One, justification by faith. Peace with God. Access to the Father. Standing before God in grace. Hope of the glory of God. A way to gain endurance. The love of God lavished on us the precious Holy Spirit, exemption from God's wrath and reconciliation to God. That's just one chapter in Scripture. How many of you look at your neighbor and say, I'm rich. I'm rich. I'm rich. But can I tell you, there's more. 
There's more. In Christ, look at this. I've won the spiritual lottery. I've been given the righteousness of Christ. I've been given mercy. I've been given peace. I've been given joy, victory over sin, spiritual gifts, prayer, wisdom. I've been given freedom from fear. I've been given the word of God. I've been given provision, guidance, protection, great promises, and a call to ministry. All because I have Christ in my life. Some of you are grateful for that. The rest of you are sitting here wondering, is he going to shatter us for the rest of the day? Listen, did something in you get fired up as I was saying all those things? Did it? Did it, did it, did it get fired up or are you a little cold and indifferent? You need to ask yourself, where's, where's my appreciation for what God has done in my life? Where's my excitement for what God is in the middle of doing? I better use them or I'll lose them. Or worse, maybe you already have. Maybe you already have. Question, have you ever noticed how some Christians are really excited about their faith and their relationship with God? And yet they, and they share it with everyone. And yet there are some who you'd never know. Why is that? What's the difference? Why do some Christians still have passion to share their faith while some do not? Can I answer that question for you? Because they didn't use it. They didn't use it. They lost it. They had it at one point, that excitement, that, that passion, that fire. The, you're not going to believe this, Pastor Don. This is what God is doing. And somewhere along the way, it became normal. It stopped being special. And they stopped appreciating all the things that God had done. They stopped using both as opportunities to tell others. I see this with my kids sometimes. I'll, I'll buy them a gift for Christmas, a really nice gift. Now, they're really grateful and thankful when they're opening that package, right? How much of their money did, went into buying that gift for them? Zero, right? And it's my joy and it's my privilege to see them enjoy what I've sacrificed to be able to provide for them, right? But over time, what they used to keep nice and clean is now tattered and dirty and they don't take care of it the same way. Why? Because they didn't have any investment into it. In the middle. And you gotta, you got to be careful sometimes. The things they pay with with their own money, oh, no, those are the things that get stewarded well, don't they? They take care of those things. They, they appreciate it. It's, it's human nature for us. We have to be careful with free gifts. Because if appreciation ever runs out, so does the excitement, and then so does the use. Here's why I'm concerned for some of you. Ephesians 2, 4 through 9 says this, But God, being rich in mercy... Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's a what? It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Your salvation is a gift. You didn't earn it. You didn't pay for it. Jesus did. Now, I'm going to be very clear. If you've been born again, God's Spirit lives inside of you, bringing you from spiritual death to spiritual life. You cannot lose your salvation. I'm not talking about losing your salvation and your place in heaven. I'm talking about losing the wonder and the awe and the appreciation of the heavenly salvation that you've been given for free. It's the, you did this for me? 
I wake up every morning thinking, I get to do this. I don't ever want to lose that appreciation, that, that wonder, that awe that causes me to be excited to come and share with others. If appreciation ever runs out, so does excitement. And if excitement ever runs out, so does the sharing. We stop inviting people. Man, when God's doing things and it's early on and you're, oh my gosh, and then he did it, and then this happened, and then you can't help but tell people. I talked to somebody yesterday and said, I had a free time in my day and I just prayed that God would send somebody into my life that I could share the gospel with them. And you know what? God did. Shared the gospel with him. Coming to repair his appliance. And the guy said, man, can I ask you a question? And it led to an hour-long conversation of him sharing the gospel with him. That didn't just happen. That came from somebody who said, God, I'm so grateful and thankful and appreciative of what you've done in my life. I've got an excitement, and if I hold on to it, it's going to burn me up from the inside. Would you please share somebody with me that I can share this with? And that person had appreciation and excitement, and as a result, somebody came, and he was able to share that with Am I talking to anybody here in the room today? In the very next verse in our passage in Ephesians chapter 2, the very same thought, the whole reason why these gifts are given. Look at this, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Created for a purpose. Gifted so that you could use it. And I'm going to help you use your excitement so that you don't lose your excitement. Because I'm telling you, I'm watching things happen before my very eyes. And I would not be the pastor God wants me to be to you if I didn't just give you a moment to say, look at what God has done. Just You may be waiting on some things, but listen, God has done some things. Lives are being changed. Marriages are being restored. There's energy and excitement. You can feel it in worship. This isn't a room full of people who are just clapping because it's the thing to do. They're saying, I got to get this out because God's been doing it on the inside. They're singing at the top of their lungs. And listen, they may not sing as good as you do, but they can't stay silent. Scripture tells us that the rocks would cry out if we don't. I'd rather God bless me than some stones on the side of the road. Let me tell you, there's excitement because there's appreciation. And we should be the most grateful and thankful, appreciative church on the planet. We should. Regularly, I pray, God, let me be the most grateful and thankful person you know. Because I feel like I'm the most blessed person that I know. And with that appreciation comes excitement. And with that excitement comes sharing. If we are so grateful, then the excitement will remain. And if the excitement will remains, we'll keep on sharing. If we keep on sharing, others will see in their lives what we're seeing in ours. And look what that will result in. More appreciation brings more excitement, which brings more sharing. More sharing brings more appreciation, and more appreciation will bring more excitement. You won't be able to stop this steamroll of what God wants to do in our community. It won't just happen. There will be a day 
where you don't just come to church to feel excited about God. You go to the grocery store because the people that appreciated what God was doing in here got excited about it and went out in their community and started telling people what was going on. It's appreciation that leads to excitement, that leads to us sharing. Pastor Don, what are you asking us to do? I want you to take an honest assessment. Where's your appreciation? Where's your excitement for what God has done? You can tell it this way. When was the last time you invited someone? I'm not talking about just a church. When was the last time you invited someone to lunch? To coffee? When was the last time you invited someone into your home? When's the last time you told someone about what God is doing in your life. Use it or lose it. That appreciation, that excitement, it will grow cold if you don't stoke that flame. If the answer to that is recently, this week, last week, keep going, keep inviting. You're a huge part of what God is continuing to do here at our church that will ultimately overflow in our community. If you can say, Pastor John, regularly I'm meeting with others. Regularly I'm inviting. Regularly I'm bringing them with me as I go about my life. Keep doing it. But if it's been a few years, if it's been a few years since you've shared, since you've used it, you've probably lost it. You've probably lost it. The good news is you can get it back. You can get it back. Here's how. Three thoughts and then we'll close. Here's how you get it back. Number one, rediscover your appreciation. If God never does another thing for me for the rest of my life, he has done enough. Exceedingly, abundantly more than I could ever ask, think, or dream. It is real. And sometimes you just have to sit back and look and say, I know I've been waiting on this. I know that healing is not quite there. My body is in pain, but I have breath today and I'm grateful and I'm thankful for it. That son or that daughter, they're not home yet, God. But when they come, I'm going to have a word for them because I am up in the presence of God every single day praying for them. And I'm thankful that I can hold on to what I've been given while I wait for you to bring what I'm hoping for and what I'm waiting for. If you want to rediscover your appreciation, come have a conversation with a new believer. If you don't know any, come find me. I'll introduce you to dozens. Something happens in your heart when you talk to somebody that God is doing something first time. Wow. Wow. There are people in this room that have never heard the story I told today about five talents, two talents, and one talent. Some of you could say it better than I could. God's plan for us as we continue to grow and reach our community is that we wouldn't lose that appreciation. Sometimes we just have to dig deep and rediscover that appreciation and say, God, thank you. thank you. Maybe you can't thank him for what you do see. Thank him for what you have seen. It can start at the dinner table. God, thank you that I went to the refrigerator and it was still running. Thank you that I was able to pull out what I had put in there with money that you had given me. Thank you that I was able to put it on a stove and the gas came on. Thank you that I had a skillet that I could put on. 
And I didn't even have to use my fingers to stir it. I had something in the drawer. There's more things to be grateful and appreciative. You just got to rediscover that. You just got to rediscover that. Here's number two. Reignite your excitement by making an invitation. An invitation to lunch isn't just to go grab a bite to eat. It's an opportunity for me to tell you my story and to hear yours. Make an invitation. An invitation to church isn't just an invitation to come see a building. Come see what God's been doing in me. Come see the people that he's used to put in my life to to help me with. You shouldn't be inviting somebody to church so that I can do all the work. You should be inviting them to church so you can show them what God has done through the people around you that are helping you. I mean, yeah, the good-looking bald guy's got a lot going for him. But you need to be in God's presence. That's what you need. An invitation into your home isn't just come see where I live. Come into the personal areas. Come into the private areas. Come into the behind-the-scene areas that other people don't get to see. That's why we have small groups. It's an invitation to come and see. That excitement fuels that sharing, that invitation. And number three, fan into flames by telling others. Every time God does something for you, if you will tell someone, I'll bet he'll always make sure you have something to say. I can tell you which one of my children are being the most grateful. I know. Oh, as a daddy, I pay attention to that. I can also tell you which ones are the more ungrateful. I pay attention to that too. One of my children drives me into giving. The other one pains me into giving. I'm a good daddy. I'm going to do it. I'm going to bless them. But some days it's much easier to bless one of them than it is to bless the other. I mean, you hear what I'm saying in the middle of that. Look what... The Apostle Paul said to Timothy, this is so good and so rich. You've got to be thinking about this. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Paul says, I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. Some of you are carrying a generation of godly heritage from grandma to mom to you to your kids. Some of you get to pilot that road for the very first time. And you too are carrying a generation of godly heritage um, to your children and your children's children. Look what he says. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you. Fan it. You got to blow on it. When I laid my hands on you, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but power, love, and self-discipline. You realize that he gave you that verse. God has not given us. How many of you heard that before? God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and self-discipline, or a sound mind. That's not in the context of there being a boogeyman under your bed. That's in the context of you going and sharing your faith with other people, recognizing that I can go up to them, I can talk to them, because God gave me his spirit, not a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind, self-discipline to be able to do this. Look at this, verse 8. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Fan into flames. Multiply what God has given you by using it, by telling others. Here's what he said. For God saved us and he called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, 
but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he's made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. Church, if we're going to continue to reach people in our community, we're going to need you to share what God has done in your life. If we're going to get into public schools, I need you to share. If the gospel is going to get into our elected officials like we regularly pray, I'm going to need you to share. If your streets and your neighborhood is going to be filled with godly families, loving God and and trying to live the best way they can, you're going to need to share. This doesn't just happen automatically. It takes the people who understand and recognize what God has done in them, and they're grateful, they're appreciative, and it builds an excitement. And what does that excitement do? It causes us to share. The Bible tells us that we're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We help people overcome. Yes, by the blood of the Lamb, what God did that we couldn't do, but also by what He's done in us. It's the Me Too moments. You ever had one of those? When you're talking with somebody and you're sharing with them what God had done. And I had one of those. I remember the day Carol and I had a conversation and I, he was telling me about his father. And I looked at him and I said, man, me too. His dad was incarcerated growing up. My dad was incarcerated. Me too. It connected us in a way. When you appreciate, you get excited. And when you're excited, you can't help but share. We have more people that need to be in small groups. You guys and all of your appreciation and all of your excitement have created a logistical nightmare for your pastor. There are more people coming saying, I can't wait to get in a group. I saw, I heard, I've seen what God's done in them. I got to be a part of that. Okay, come on. Some of you are wondering, what am I going to do? I'm not sure which group to get in. God hasn't shown me yet. May I be the first to tell you, he probably hasn't shown you what group to be in because he wants you to lead one to provide other people a place to grow. God did it for you. He provided a group for you to be in. Somebody else was grateful and appreciative for what God did in their life, and they were excited. And they opened up their home and they invited you. And as a result, God did something in you. Guess what discipleship is? Doing for others what was done for you. If you're grateful, if you're thankful, if you're appreciative of what God has done, then there'll be some excitement. And that excitement will overrun every hesitation, every obstacle you think you have. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. But he's given you on a power, his power through you. Love, a love for somebody. Not the love for somebody that you know. A love for somebody that comes from God that says, I don't know them, but God knows them. And God's going to use me for them. And then the discipline to make sure that I keep growing because now there are people following. 
If you appreciate, if you're grateful, there'll be excitement. If there's excitement, you will keep inviting. Many of you need to lead a group, either in your home or in this building. We'll open it up. I need you to be present for other people. God's doing it. God's doing it. Look around. Look, there's still some empty seats in here. How many of you are praying for somebody that needs to be sitting in one of those empty seats? Look, I want to see it. Show me. How many of you are praying for somebody that needs to be seated in an empty seat? Look at the hands. Look at the hands. He's done it in you so you can do it for them. That's how this works. I'm asking you to be appreciative. I'm asking you to be excited. I'm asking you to share what God has already done in you. Do you hear me? Do me a favor, bow your heads and close your eyes. I don't need anybody moving around. Just just listen. I want you to hear two voices today. I want you to hear what I'm saying, my voice, and I want you to hear what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. It's those specific thoughts that you have or the faces that that flash before you. You're hearing my words, but there are other thoughts that you're having. That's the Holy Spirit. You won't share if you're not excited and you won't be excited if you're not appreciative. God has blessed us. Not because we deserve it, but because he wants to use us to reach others with the good news. What's the good news, Pastor? I don't don't understand. I'm not... I didn't grow up in church. I haven't been here a while. I mean, I see the excitement. I see what you're saying. I understand that. But what is this good news that you're talking about? Why are there so many people in here that are excited about what God has done in their life? I'm not even sure if I know where God is today. What is that good news? The good news is simply this, that our sin has separated us from God. The choices that we made on our own and the penalty for that wrong decision, that separation is death and eternal separation from God in hell, the only place where God is not. But God sent Jesus to die for our penalty. God raised him from the dead. And to those who believe in him and choose to follow him, he offers eternity with God in heaven. It's that simple. Jesus was having a conversation with a very religious man named Nicodemus who was trying so hard to see what God was doing. Jesus told him, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't even see the kingdom of heaven unless you've been born again. Say, Pastor Don, how do I know? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing, I, I, God's been doing, I've been coming for a couple weeks or I, I just, I see and I, I think I'm ready. How, how do I know that God has done this work? How do I know that God has brought me from spiritual death to spiritual life? I would say it's as simple as A, B, C. A, maybe for the first time in your life, you can admit that you're a sinner, that your sin has separated you from a righteous and a loving God. He created you for a purpose, on purpose, and with a purpose, but you've been trying to do it your own way. If you can admit that today, God's working in you. A, admit, B, believe. You can believe that God sent his son just for you. It's no longer God sent his son for everybody. No, it's God sent his son for me. He paid the price that I would have had to pay. He lived a life I couldn't live so that I could spend eternity with his father. A, admit, B, believe. 
If God is working in you today, see, you'll be able to confess. Confess him as Lord and Savior. Not the kind of Savior you need when your life is upside down, but the kind of Lord you need to follow so that you don't keep making choices for yourself. Pastor Don, today I'm ready. I admit, I believe, I'm confessing him as my Lord and Savior. I'm ready to do it his way. I want to see all across this room, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, but I want to see those hands raised of those who are saying, Pastor Don, will you pray with me? God has brought something about in my life. I can see things that I haven't seen before spiritually. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Anybody else? Both of you, I see your hand. All across this room. I'm looking. Keep them up. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. Yes, sir. I see your hand. Yes, ma'am. Both of you sitting there holding hands. I see your hand. I'm so proud. All three of you in the front, I see your hand. Up in the balcony, I see your hand. Yes, sir. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. You put your hands down. I don't want you to miss this moment. I want you to have every bit of this excitement that you felt when you walked into this place. I want you to have every bit of appreciation you've heard me. But more importantly, I want you to have a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. The prayer doesn't save you. God does. But if you want to be included in this prayer and you did not raise your hand just a few seconds ago, I want to invite you to raise it now so I can know who we're playing with. Pastor Don, please include me. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. I see your hand up in the balcony. I see your hand down on the floor. Thank you. I'd like to ask everybody to pray this prayer with me, especially those who raise your hand. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. And I declare that God is my Father, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And the Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name.